Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into a Thursday edition of Westside Sports. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the show, welcome to the podcast. Podcast is free and available on all major recording platforms with podcasts coming out four to five days a week. Today's podcast is going to be pretty much usual. Standard around the world section, Mariners, Seahawks, couple of tidbits, walk off. This is going to be a interesting podcast today. And when I say interesting, it's because I got a lot of different stuff I'm going to get into today. A couple different perspectives, a couple different angles, a couple different conversations is happening around the Seattle Sports Network area. Also, just want to say thank you so much to everybody for taking the time out of their day to listen to my podcast. Uh, the numbers have been an incredible rise lately, and I am so thankful for everybody for taking the time out of their day to help me grow this podcast and just want to say flat out thank you because a lot of podcasts I hear don't thank people for, for their time and they should be with that being said let's get straight into it shall we first of all uh usually I start out with NFL baseball uh big headliner stuff right but today's gonna be a little different today's around the world segment is starting out with the goat of my generation for tennis Roger Federer has announced he will be retiring after the LeVar Cup, which will be his final ATP event for his career. I will get the full career breakdown of everything that Roger Federer has achieved and accumulated throughout his career. He has been an incredible athlete overall to watch throughout his entirety of his professional career before he came into uh, professional tennis, all that stuff. He has been a literal, almost Tom Brady-like effect for tennis. People between him and Rafael and uh, Novak Djokovic, obviously Serena and Venus Williams, obviously. Uh, they So many good names have been coming up through my generation and my time, my main timeline of remembering back to when tennis was, real, was big, you know, Andy Roddick, all those names, so... Just want to give a moment to uh, congratulate him on his career, and hopefully he finishes out on a strong note here in that final event. Finally, the the news that everybody has been anticipating and waiting for, TJ Watt was officially placed on IR. No, not the long-term one, but the short short version of IL. Instead, he is eligible to return in four weeks or four games. I don't anticipate this happening whatsoever. If I'm looking at a realistic time frame for TJ Watt, you're looking at probably six to seven weeks at the bare minimum. Uh, from what the reports and the medical uh, information that has been coming out via Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, uh, Schefter's information, they're pretty much said they're very similar, but Schefter's got a little bit more concise uh, information that the primary tendon that's the binder between the uh, two muscles that were torn in his pack for TJ Watt was not severed or torn in any way. That would have been the ender for his season due to the fact that that's a, uh, like I was talking about, it's kind of like a binding. I'm not, I'm not a doctor or, a ner- or even a nurse or anything or anything close to it. But I do a fair, a fair amount of research into this into these podcasts before I come and talk to you guys about it. So with that being said, uh, Steelers Nation should be pretty stoked that they won't be losing out on their best part of their defense. Obviously, uh, when you have other players such as Devin Bush, Minka Fitzpatrick, 
the list goes on. You are plenty deep enough to handle this, but it is indeed a massive loss for the pass rush and for the team in Pittsburgh, especially for any other uh, uh, pass rusher on that line. Now you're going to have a little bit more attention coming to you versus obviously to the reigning defensive player of the year. Both Apple and Amazon have officially passed on opportunities to stream the LIV or the Live Golf Tour. I found this to be fairly interesting due to the fact of how much uh, news and how, how many different times you've been talking myself, apparently, especially with talking about the LIV Golf Tour. They've been taking a lot of names, spending a lot of money, trying to stir up as much, uh, just stirring a bunch of buzz. And when you have buzz and stuff like that, it brings eyes and viewers to your events and to your company and to what you're obviously there for, which is to pr uh, provide a secondary version of top tier golf. Whether or not that is actually applicable is TBD, but I thought it was interesting due to the fact, obviously, of how much money Apple and Amazon have combined. They could buy anything in the world they wanted to at a snap of a finger. They said no thank you to the Live Golf Tour, so I just wanted to talk about that for a minute. And then yesterday was a cool moment for one team for a handful of players, right? The St. Louis Cardinals yesterday celebrated the 325th career start for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, setting a new MLB record for most starts by a pair of teammates. They also ended up winning their 213th win as a pair of teammates, setting a also an MLB record. That is a very uh, just a, for just for the the pure purpose, excuse me, of lo longevity. It's very impressive what they've been able to do as a as a duo, as a tandem. Obviously, Yadier has been an absolute stalwart in every fashion of the word. He's been a great mentor for new young players, such as uh, Wilson Contreras and all that stuff, or excuse me, William Contreras, Wilson being the older one. Uh, there's so many players that look up to him. Cal Raleigh's talked about him and uh, with some of the stuff he works on in the offseason with his pitch framing and all that stuff. So just want to give a moment to these to these players. And better yet, once again, the St. Louis Cardinals organization just nails it right on the head of the nail every time. They don't miss it, you know. Between that and bringing back Pujols for his final season, not really caring whether or not he has anything left inside the proverbial bag for them. Doesn't even matter for them. They are a fan-based, dedicated organization, and that's what we need to see more of in sports. Not just these money-hungry savages like the Texas Rangers who go out and spend half a billion dollars and try and be pre uh, prevalent, excuse me. And it ends up, I want to say backfiring in their face. Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager have had pretty good years. Obviously a down year for Marcus Simeon after what he finished in the top three for AL MVP last year. But when you have organizations like the Cardinals, obviously like the Dodgers, like I talked about yesterday with winning the NL or their, uh, their NL conference, this is exactly what you want to see from other teams like the Seattle Mariners. Um, I hope in some due time that they could honor Kyle Seeger, maybe for his time with the organization, a Nelson Cruz. Uh, have a I would what I want to see right, and this is kind of something I've been kind of chewing on for the last day or so. I want to talk about it yesterday, but I wasn't ready to bring it to the light. But I am today. I want to see the Mariners do exactly what the Seattle Seahawks did on Monday night in an upcoming game. If it's the home, if it's the playoff opener, you need to get Edgar Jr. 
You need to get Dan Wilson, Randy Johnson, Felix Hernandez. You need every single big-time name this organization has ever had. Every plaque. Ichiro, get his butt on in that field. Throw out the first pitch. Catch it. I don't care. But you want to get the Emerald City faithful truly fired up like we saw at Lumen Field, which for the record was a spectacle and one of the high, or the, I believe it was the most watched Monday night, uh, Monday night football game in like six, seven plus years. I mean, it was awesome. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were clearly the bee's knees and what they needed for Monday night football. Um, but on this subject of bringing in like greats to the ballpark, that's how you want to get the most electric atmosphere that this ballpark has ever felt. This is the way to do it. Bring in all of the previous greats, you know. Have a video montage. Have Julio Rodriguez throw out the first pitch to Edgar or something like that. Do whatever you need to do to get this fan base even more hyped up than they already are. And I'll tell you right now, you want to talk about another beast quake? We'll make one at T-Mobile Park with how loud this place will go. Because I'll tell you right now, this is going to be the last 20 games are going to be probably the biggest roller coaster of emotions for myself personally and all of the other Mariners fans that we've ever experienced besides for obviously having a child or um, unfortunately like, like the passing of a family member or something like this is as big as it gets because so many of us like myself have been waiting and waiting and waiting for this moment and now the Mariners just finished 10 and 5 record which I'm going to get into here against this final stretch of winning of teams with a winning plus 500 uh, win percentage on the season this is exactly what you want to see, and I'm truly pumped up for this last stretch for the Mariners. Albert Pujols, as I talked about, there were three different things I want to talk about with the Cardinals before I got into that little bit of a, a little bit of a side rant there, but that was a well-needed one, and I felt like that was a good conversion or a good transition there. Albert Pujols yesterday reached 2,200 RBIs. He is now one of three players in MLB history to record such a feat or a milestone that includes Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth. So obviously that's great conversation to have. With that being said, that's around the world section for today. We're going to transition into Mariners and uh, Luis Castillo. Holy mother of Moses, man. Good grief. That guy, I tell you, just watching him, I just, I'm, I feel thankful. I feel honored. Every time I turn on my T, my TCL 55 inch flat screen to watch Luis Castillo just be dominant. This is why you went out and spent the Nuovi Marte, Edmund Arroyo, Levi Stout, Andrew Moore to go out and get this guy. This is exactly why you do this. To bring him in, just like Justin Verlander's done for so long for the Astros. And, uh, you know, this, you know, I'm going to use Sandy Alcantara, but Sandy Alcantara obviously is not that great of a team with, with the Marlins. But when you have a player of Luis Castillo's stature in the league, and everybody knows when Luis Castillo's on the mound, you got a damn good shot of winning that ball game. You know, yesterday he goes six innings pitched, four hits, no horned runs, one walk, nine strikeouts. Ladies and gentlemen, he has a 2.37 ERA. Wow. Wow. This is just... His stuff is so disgusting. The changeup is damn near unhittable. The fastball, 16 inches of run at 99, 98 miles an hour. The next day of uh, rest he got was clearly beneficial for him. Because holy mackerel, was he hucking the baseball yesterday. And that was just so much fun to watch. 
obviously home runs. Carlos Santana, huge three-run bomb. Eugenio Suarez, praise in the heavens. And God bless you, the truth of Julio Rodriguez. You know, I'm I'm lucky that I have a Sunday cream Julio jersey. Because trying to find one right now, needle in a haystack. I think a needle in a haystack might be a little bit easier than trying to find a Julio Rodriguez Sunday cream jersey right now. But the value of Luis Castillo, like I was talking about, has been everything we could have hoped for since he came to Seattle via the trade from the from the Cincinnati Reds. Since he's joining, since he has joined the Seattle Mariners, he's gone three and one record, two point three seven ERA, forty nine in the third innings pitched, four total home runs, sixty strikeouts. He's just literally dominating. He's a number one. He's an ace. He's a uh, one of the probably the top ten plus top best pitchers in baseball. You know, Max Scherzer, Jacob, uh, Sandy Alcantara, you know, the, the, the list goes on, right? It's a, it's a it's a who's who, right? This is a cream of the cream, you know, a cream, cream of the cream, you know, as Jeff Passon says. When you're talking about these guys, this is the best of the best. This is the top 3% of all of baseball. That's how good Luis Castillo is. But when you're talking about good, you're talking about great, we also got to talk about Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez is the third rookie in Major League Baseball history to reach 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Only other two players in baseball history to ever do it in their rookie seasons were Mike Trout and Chris Young. This final stretch for the Mariners, that was uh, plus 500 teams that included the White Sox, Guardians, Padres, and World Champion Braves. The Mariners went 10-5. and The last 20 games for the Seattle Mariners, quite simply, all against teams under 500, all have losing records. This is time to make a... Put, put the cut grass, bail it up with, with, with the bailing twine, throw it up inside the barn. Let's get it done. This is something I've kind of also been uh, working on the last day or two. If Mitch Hanniger needs more time to rest his back, and especially after the off day coming today, an IL stint should be the correct move for Mitch Hanniger. Put him on the 10-day IL. We're playing against some subpar competition. It's a huge benefit for having that. This is, can, can allow for more playing time for Taylor Trammell, Jake Lamb, maybe if you recall Kyle Lewis. I don't know how great Kyle Lewis is doing in AAA. I did look and see that Luis Torrens is on another tremendous hitting stretch in AAA. And I know that I have said on here multiple times, AAA is AAA, which is fine. It is correct. But the positional versatility, and yes, I said positional versatility of Luis Torrens now playing a little bit of second base and first base along with catcher and DH is making him that much more attractive to come back to the Major League squad considering how little Kirk Casale has played for the Mariners since he was acquired from the San Francisco Giants along with Matt Boyd, who's played considerably more than Kirk Casale. Caselli hasn't been able to do much of anything in his shortened time with the Mariners. Jerry stated the main reason in acquiring him from the Giants was his previous experience catching Luis Castillo when he was a Cincinnati Red. But the fact that Cal caught him yesterday should be something to keep an eye on. The fact that they didn't uh, they didn't choose to try and get a day off to rest Cal Raleigh. They wanted to make sure that they got the offensive production instead of getting a day off for him. And uh, if Kirk Kasai was hitting the ball, quite frankly, a little bit better, I think this is a, non, a nullified conversation, and Kirk Kasai would have started yesterday. Pitching matchup tomorrow goes as such. Robbie Ray versus Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen really struggled with his command in the previous outing against the Mariners. Pitch count was about 80-plus through fourth inning. Get into their bad bullpen early. Limit the damage of Trout and Otani, obviously. They're going to want to lean on those two stalwarts and those two big horses, those Clydesdales, to try and uh, 
make and carve the way to try and score some runs. Make somebody like a Jared Walsh, Luis Ranjifo, which has been a pain in the backside. Don't let David Fletcher spray the ball over the field and give opportunity more opportunities to players like Trout and Otani. Jared Walsh has had a very struggle, very much a down year in all um, offensive stats. So using somebody like that or making somebody else beat you besides for Trout and Otani is key to, in this series. Trout's on a red-hot stretch, obviously, after coming off of that six-plus game home run stretch. The last thing you want to do is let him get back on a, on a heater against the Mariners, which is a team he has crushed his entire career. Okay, Seahawks. Uh, obviously, the information, unfortunately, this morning that came out about an hour and a half, two hours ago, that Jamal Adams will indeed be out for the remainder of the year after undergoing surgery to report on his torn quad tendon. Uh, safety. Tease or Tease Tabor, I apologize if I got that wrong, it's T-E-E-Z, was signed off of Atlanta's practice squad this morning. Uh, this is the corresponding move for Jamal Adams going on to IR. Uh, he is a safety slash defensive back, which adds more depth to that. I believe he was a second or third round draft pick out of Florida, if my memory serves me correctly. Sean Alexander will be inducted in the Seahawks Ring of Honor on October 16th versus the Arizona Cardinals. Well, well done. Well deserved for Sean Alexander. He was a damn good player. Obviously, he was the running back before Marshawn Lynch. For those who are, I guess, new to Seahawks fandom or, you know, Seahawks land, just giving you a little bit of insight on knowledge on that. Obviously, coming out of the University of Alabama, he was a very good player. Uh, lots of run. Good overall career. And just good overall guy. He's get out, A lot of people give a lot of flack to Sean Alexander, which I don't understand in the slightest whatsoever. He was a very good player, good good teammate, didn't cause Ruffle much of any problems or any feathers inside the locker room as far as any, there's not really any stories that came out about him, but in that era, you probably be talking about like Lofa Tatupu, Walter Jones, uh, Steve Hutchinson, all those guys that have uh, stories and quite frankly, none have come out. Uh, running back Ken Walker is set to make his rookie debut Sunday in San Francisco. Damian Lewis was also a full participant in practice earlier this week, which is a really good sign for him to play Sunday in San Francisco. Happy birthday, Coach Pete. 71 years young. God bless you, Pete Carroll. I gotta say, just on a, on a side, quick side note here, his interview Monday with Mike Salk and Brock Heward uh, I think it was actually just Mike Salt because Brock Heward was coming back from his Wazoo and uh, University of Wisconsin college football game this weekend, was by far the most telling interview in all of the interviews in years I've ever heard from, from Pete Carroll. He flat out admitted he wanted to beat Russell. This was personal. And that's the first time we've really ever heard Pete say, without saying it, it's personal. When he, look, when he looks to Mike Salt and says, you, you, you figure it out. You go talk to players and do your research. I ain't telling you that all the information that you're looking for. Go go do your job. I loved it. Pete's saying, hey, I wanted to kick his butt. I want to smear his nose inside the proverbial ground. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, he was, you know, he reiterated, 12's brought it. Every one of you guys that are listening to this and we're at that ball game on Monday. Thank you for just rooting your heart out and just making the Lumen Field atmosphere the best it's been in so many years. It was a tremendous theater and great overall drama to watch, especially for Monday Night Football. But yeah, happy 71st birthday to Pete Carroll. Just want to give him a shout out for that. Linebacker Tanner Muse was officially signed to the active roster to fill the open practice squad spot. 
Uh, they have signed veteran linebacker Christian Jones, who played with both the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. So he knows Sean. Sean. Uh, I can't get the last name, but uh, our assistant head coach for, for defense. I apologize for that. <clears throat> a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, a couple matchups, and then we're going to hop in to walk off and route for day. The matchup of the tenacious de uh, defensive line of San Francisco versus the young uh, Hawks offensive line is probably going to be the biggest and most important matchup come Sunday. Obviously, Bosa versus Cross, as well as Abraham Lucas. Samson uh, Abukam, or Abukam, however you, I've heard it announced a couple of different ways. Eric Armstead, uh, Kinlaw. They've got a deep D defensive line rotation. They got Drake Jackson at USC this last year, uh, who is a promising player who still needs a little more time to work it, me, work and fill into his frame. But he's got good agile moves on the outside, so we'll see what happens with that. But that's probably gonna be the, the biggest matchup. And then obviously you have you know Fred Warner, uh, Tre'Davious Ward, Emmanuel Mosley. The list goes on. George Kittle is still dealing with the same groin injury he had last week. He is TBD. If he'll be able to play Sunday. Uh, obviously, as we get closer to Sunday, we're going to get more information, details as that comes out to see whether or not he's going to be able to play in that game. But I anticipate he's going to do everything in his power to play considering it's George Kittle and he's one, he's one tough SOB. So I hope, obviously, he doesn't play for Seattle considering he's such a good player. But it would surprise me greatly if he was unable to play Sunday. But groin injuries, as I've learned last year, dealing with a pretty nasty groin injury myself that they take time and depends upon the kind of injury and the uh how bad the injury is how overall uh long it's going to set you back it's just really a matter of uh it's just a process you know one day you feel good one day you don't feel as good and then two days from then you can feel great and then you try and do a little, little bit of a work into it and then it just flares up and then you're a week or two back behind the eight ball so I just hope George Kittle is able to heal back up quickly because he is a super fun player to watch. But hopefully it's not against my CLC Hawks. Walk off. Mariners, day off today. This is great timing as uh, the wrist of Ty France, back issues with Mitch Hanniger as I touched on earlier, pec issues for, J for J.P. Crawford, simply just need any time to heal. Uh, especially for the final 20-game uh, stretch, obviously against up bar competition like I, like I touched on earlier. But it's a big day for the Hawks as well as they start ramping up for their game in San Francisco. Fingers and toes crossed that Ken Walker and Damian Lewis uh, finish off a strong week of practice so we can see the electric running back and a rising star and Damian Lewis as he comes into year three. Can kind of get his feet back in the water and kind of get more comfortable on that left side like he was unable to do last year and he battled a handful of injuries. And with that being said, that's going to be today's podcast. If you guys enjoy the podcast today and the overall conversation topics I'm bringing you throughout the upcoming podcast as well as today's show, please do me a favor. If you are new to the podcast or if you're on the fence, please subscribe uh, and just leave, leave a rating. Uh, all that really helps me out a ton. I'll be working on getting some more information as far as injury updates and uh, working on a state of the farm podcast for you guys tomorrow. Try and get some updates on awards like I've been talking about throughout the week probably do that tomorrow try and get into a deeper longer one tomorrow probably about 30 minute podcast tomorrow and be able to give you guys the awards for robert perez jr uh i touched on the promotion of Cade marlowe this week and there's just lots of lots to get into for uh, promotions and stuff like that and overall information for minor leagues we'll get into that tomorrow hope you guys enjoyed the podcast thank you so much for listening cs rise go hawks peace